Lord, we just lift up Devin. We know that you have been preparing his heart for this word. We know he seeks you for just exactly what you would have spoken to us in this day. And so we thank you for your anointing on him. And we thank you for the ministry there on campus. It is King's ministry, Lord. We just thank you for your continued anointing and blessing there as well, Lord. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Everyone in agreement said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, it's a, a pleasure to be here with all of you guys again. Um, as again, my name is Devin Barrett. I'm a Bemidji local. Um, how many people here have never listened to me speak here? I know I've been here a number of times now. So maybe a, a few, a couple. Okay, so most people here are familiar with me. Um, just to kind of recap, I'm, I'm married. I've been married for six years. I have two children. Uh, run a, a painting and drywall business, and the Lord has called me to be an evangelist. And we spend time at the college campus, and the Lord has also called me to the nations and ministered. I've ministered to literally thousands and thousands of people and seen tens of thousands give their life to the Lord. Um, it's amazing here at Bemidji alone. This last year, we saw over 50 people give their life to Jesus at Bemidji State Campus. And uh, just God is moving. God is good, right? He's always moving, and I believe right now he is moving more than ever. Um, I've been praying about what to speak about, and I, I'll be honest, I have multiple avenues that have been on my heart and trying to connect with what God wants me to talk about today. I mean, you don't want to hear Devin's message, right? You want to hear his message and what God wants and to come into that place to be able to say, okay, Lord, this is what you want. I've been saved for 10 years today, okay? Hallelujah, right? God is good. Steve had called me, and we had a date set up, and it didn't work, and we were reconnecting, and he threw a bunch of dates at me, and I was like, oh, this one will work for me. And I knew I was coming up on 10 years, and I was like, what was the date again? I knew it was end of June, and I had it written down. I went and looked, and I was like, oh my goodness, it's today. And I'm going to be speaking at 10 Strike. How awesome is that? And uh, just to recap, 10 years ago, I was 18 years old. And I had taken a trip to Alaska. And I was at a place with the Lord. I grew up, let's just say this, I grew up in the church. And I said a prayer. I believed that God was real. Um, but I don't know if I believed in him. I can honestly say that I never knew him and he never knew me. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. I had so much knowledge of the Bible, so much understanding, could ask great questions. It doesn't mean that I was saved. I was so lost. I was hurting and broken, angry and searching. And I was searching in all the wrong places. I was searching in the world. Understanding that God was real or had to be real, I was pursuing him and searching him out, saying, God, reveal yourself to me. And I had taken a trip to Alaska and was pursuing the wrong type of love. And as I was up there, the Lord, he encountered my life and encountered it during a camp that I was helping out with. And uh, I remember just being angry and bitter at the Lord. And I know I've shared this story with you guys before. And I was sitting there before God one night after days and days of just really in worship, seeking him, seeking something from him, just to, you know, say, Devin, I love you, or, or just give me some sort of affirmation that he was who he said he was. And I've been searching for over a year at this point. And I remember being so frustrated and so tired of searching. I was like, God, I'm done. I'm just going to walk away. I'm going to pursue the world. I'm tired of this church thing. There's no reason to do it if you're not in it. And people called no, sorry, the pastor called people forward and said, anybody who's here who has not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want to pray for you. And he had given a whole sermon on it. I never heard it, all right? Have you ever been in church and just like don't hear at all what the pastor's saying and just thinking of different things? So that was me. I was just me and God or just me yelling at God in my head. And uh, I was like, well, I don't really know what that is and don't need to go forward. And 
right next to me nudged me and said, Devin, go up there. And I walked up to the front. And when I got up in the front, everyone came around and started praying. And I remember I felt tingly. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel tingly. Like this is something completely different. I've never felt this when teaching the Lord. And then it just went away. And I was like, my emotions, interesting. And I remember being so upset. And I looked down and I just said, God, I would give you everything, everything to know your power and to know your love. And right there in that moment, I heard God's voice for the first time in pursuing him over a year. And he said, Devin, submit to me. And in my heart, the only thing I knew how to do in order to submit to the Lord was just to get on my knees. And when I got on my knees, the power of God hit me like a rock. And I laid out on the floor, trembling under the power and the love of God for over four hours getting washed by his presence, forgiven and loved. That moment forever changed my life. And before I went up there, I remember someone telling me, Devin, you're going to get wrecked by God, and God has this verse marked on your life. He said this. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Acts 1.8. And I remember I used to read that verse, and it made no sense to me at all. When I was 17 and 18, I would sit there and look at that verse. What does it mean in Acts 1.8 when it says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witness? I had no idea what that meant. After that day, and I surrendered it all to Jesus, and Jesus came upon me. Finally, I understood that verse. Power. Power to declare his name. Power and boldness to start to share Jesus. And literally the next day, I'm confused, honestly, still with what I had just experienced and this new relationship I have with the Lord. And I'm sitting down at work, and this guy comes up to me and starts to tell me all these things in his life. He starts just dumping all of his sin on me. And I'm like, he's like, I need help with this and this and this. And I'm like, why is he telling me this? No one ever tells me this stuff. I'm like, why now? And all of a sudden, from within, knowledge and wisdom came out to begin to advise him and things that I did not know. And I'm like, where did that come from? Like, I didn't know what to say. I ended up walking past a kid at a job site, and I'm like, hey, I actually got to tell you something, man. And I start to prophesy over him. And the Lord gives me words over his life. I didn't know what that was. Something inside me was doing these works. And it came from a place of submitting. We need his power. We need it more than ever. How many people in here, I'm just curious, I know Steve's been talking about gifts in this church and uh, on this podcast a bit, and how many people in here would say that they have um, prayed for somebody and seen them healed? Just quick, by a show of hands. Okay, good number of people. Okay, how many people in here would say that I have received a word from the Lord for somebody, a way to encourage them, a, a, a prophetic word of some sort or a vision. How many people have gotten that? Okay. Um, how many people would say they've received like a word of knowledge before for somebody, just something that God has put on their heart to share with them? Okay. A handful of people. That's good. That's good. I'm an evangelist. Every day when I'm out in the streets or doing something for the Lord, Gifts of the Spirit are a necessity. I've talked about this before. If you try to build a house with hand tools, hand saws, it takes forever. But when you use the power tools, right? Milwaukee battery operated, boom, right? It, right. Some people are like, no, Dewalt. I'm like, no, Milwaukee. <laughs> it goes a whole lot faster when you have some power in your tools, let's be honest. In order to build his kingdom, the Lord has given us power, all right? How many people have ever tried to parallel park a car that doesn't have power steering, all right? Some people know what that is. They're like, I remember when cars didn't even have power steering. I'm like, I don't, but I've had power steering go out, and I couldn't turn it. So you can't do it. But when you have power steering, you can parallel park with your pinky. It's the same thing with Jesus in trying to do ministry or go about this life without his power. We're mustering all of our strength in order to do it. But when we have his power, it's as easy as turning a wheel with power steering. 
or building a house with power tools. We need that power. In 10 years, I've learned something um, in my walk with God, and I wanted to share that with you all today. I found it, it, it's helped me grow in maturity and understanding. Early on in my faith, I so excited. I mean, who, who can remember back to when they were first saved and they're running around and they're just like, this is great. I look, look, the Bible says this. I've never seen that before. Well, God's teaching you and, and there's all this new stuff that you're learning and you're excited and you're, you're willing to share your faith with people. And I remember when I was doing that, um, there would be people in my life who would be like, hey, enjoy this now. This is the honeymoon phase, man. You know, after a while, it's gonna, you know, maybe not be this good. I just want you to be prepared for that. And you're going, huh, I don't understand. And you're like, hey, this is great that you're passionate and so excited, but just to prepare you, I don't want you to get hurt if things seem less in the future. I was told this, that there was a honeymoon phase with the Lord. And then there came into a season of my life where, yeah, it seemed less. It seemed like I wasn't as excited for Jesus. And I was wrestling with this. I'm like, God, is this really what you wanted for us? I'm like, the word of God says to keep your oil so you can have your lamp lit until he returns, right? And we know the story of, of the, the women that did not keep their oil. And when he returned and they were gone looking for oil, we are supposed to keep our oil so we can burn and stay on fire for Jesus. And I remember when I came to that point in time in my life and I was looking at, like, why am I not on fire anymore? I started to search my heart and have God help me. And he said, Devin, look, you took your eyes off. So instantly I said, Lord, I know what to do. I just surrendered. And I surrendered back to him. And instantly in that point in time, I remember just being on fire again and just having this desire for the Lord. Like I lost sight. I just lost sight. In 10 years in my walk, I've learned that if we don't burn for Jesus, it's because something else has taken that fire in our hearts. If I am not on fire for the Lord, consumed with his thoughts, consumed with his heart, then something else has taken that desire. Maybe we've never experienced that fire. Maybe we've never simply surrendered it all to him. God is a consuming fire. And when you surrender at all, there's a saying, it's, it's fire falls on sacrifice. Okay, I'll say that again. Fire will fall on sacrifice. And when you're surrendered to the Lord, you cannot help but burn. And every season of my life that I know that I haven't been burning is something else has taken that. That place of him. I believe after 10 years with Jesus, you can run for 10 years, you can run for 50 and not get wore out. The other thing I remember, I was just reflecting on this yesterday actually, but the other thing I remember the Lord really showing me in the last 10 years that a life without Jesus is not a life worth living. If you try to live your own life, it will not be a good one. You'll regret it every day. But if we live a life for Jesus and surrender to his will, that life is more exciting, more full than you can ever imagine. I have done things in the last 10 years I never dreamed about doing. I was writing a list of some of the things, the unimaginable things. How many people know the scripture that says that he goes above and beyond anything that we can ever think or imagine? And to talk about his plans for us. That God has a plan for your life and you'll go above and beyond what you can even think or imagine for it. And I'm thinking back and I'm going, okay, I have been wowed by God year after year after year with the plan he's had on my life always going above and beyond. Examples like doing missions trips and doing a simple thing of praying for someone and you end up sitting in a government palace speaking 
to the governor of a nation. And I'm 18, or no, sorry, I was 21 years old, sitting before a governor of an island in Indonesia in his home, invited there by him to come and tell him about Jesus. Never would have believed that I would sit before government, but the Lord can make a way, right? Walking into places, temples, mosques, places where Christians were not allowed, but being invited in and walking on soil that Christians have never walked on before. Being able to prayer walk and just be in a place where I know a Christian had never been. Being broadcasted on public radio on an entire area, telling people about Jesus. Being filmed, put in documentaries. Um, there's actually something called Multiplied. Uh, I'll, I'll let you guys know about this. A buddy of ours filmed us while we were in Africa doing mis- our ministry. Okay, we were running around and we were doing one-on-one ministry in some marketplaces. And he actually followed me around for a few days and did some videography. And he's creating a film. And this film is called Multiplied. It's about raising up the next generation of evangelists. And crazy enough, this film, we just found out, is going to be aired in theaters all across America. And I'm like, in the film, I'm like, what? I'm like, I didn't think I'd be in a movie like or a film like in theaters. Like, that blows my mind. I'm like, crazy. Like, maybe a guy in the background, but actually doing something in it? Like, that's great. Above and beyond anything we can think or imagine. The miracles, the signs and wonders, the healings, the salvations, all of it. Above and beyond everything I could think and imagine. All right. I want to go ahead and open to a scripture I want to read here. We're going to go to Hebrews 9. And I believe earlier I spoke with Joy. We're actually going to back it up just a little bit. We're going to start in, we'll start at 11. Hebrews 9, 11. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open up. It's projected, okay. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? Let's stop right there. The blood of Jesus. 18 years ago, I finally took that cup when I surrendered my life to the Lord. And I drank of a cup that not only covered my sins, but cleansed me from my sins. They used to have to use blood for everything to cleanse it, okay? Or to make it ceremonially clean. Blood, bulls, goats, calves, heifers, right? And year after year, these worshipers would draw near to the temple. The priest would go through a whole ceremony using this blood to make himself outwardly clean so that God could look down and not kill him while he goes into the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, okay? But they would draw back again year after year because the, this This forgiveness that was in the law of Moses, okay, only made them outwardly clean. Their minds were still riddled with the guilt of sin. Their hearts were still immoral. 
Sure, God approved of them, but they were not clean. They were sinners. And they came back year after year after year to receive this forgiveness from God. Jesus was, he died once for us, right? Did Jesus die twice? No. Why? Because Jesus has perfected once and for all the worshiper, the believer. To anybody who draws near to Jesus and is sprinkled with his blood does not need to return to do it again. It is finished. It is done. I've spoken on this before. Jesus hangs on a cross and his last words are, it is finished. Right? He refers to a psalm, yes, but he is still saying, what is finished? Sin. What I came here to do is dealt with. I have sprinkled you with my blood and cleansed your mind from the acts that lead to death. So you do not have to draw back year after year for forgiveness. You can be free. You are forgiven. Period. Being unsaved every night. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I used to pray that every night. I was constantly sinning. I was constantly living in a place where I was not even forgiven. I didn't believe it. How could he forgive me? Until I came to the realization that the blood of Jesus has cleansed me, that he has taken the sin out of the picture. How many people know the law of Moses, the, the law, okay? Old covenant was written on tablets of stone, okay? We all know the Ten Commandments, right? But under the new covenant, Right? The law is not written on tablets of stone. It's written on flesh. See, I believe that before Jesus enters our life, before we have his blood, that we are incapable of loving God. But we are incapable of love at all because the heart is a stone. And that is why the tablets were stone. That is why the law was written on stone. But when Jesus died for us, he says this is a new ministry, not written on tablets of stone, but written on our hearts, on flesh. Ezekiel says, I wish to take from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and put a new spirit within you. God wants to take from us that heart of stone, the old law, the, the law that exposed my sin and made me feel horrible again and again, and bring in the new covenant that will forgive you of all the sin that you've ever committed and also enable you to walk free, to be cleansed from the acts that lead to death. That is the blood. And without the blood, we are missing out on it so much. We are missing out on his, his promise. I have a story I'm going to share with you guys today. I wish there was more people here for it because it's a really good story, okay? You guys like stories? All right. People online, listen up. The story's changed my life, okay? And after the story, we have an altar up here, and I'd like to use it, okay? That anybody who is at a place where they say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness, this is your altar. Anybody who would say, Jesus, I need power, I'm tired of doing this by myself. This is your altar. 
to any person who's saying, Jesus, I'm just backslidden in my life. I used to burn for you, but I don't anymore. This is your altar. This is the place where we surrender, okay? And you don't have to be up here to surrender. I know that. But it's definitely a place that I've come to and say, Jesus, here it is. I'm laying down my life for you. I want to live for you. And so after the story, I'm going to open up the altar, okay? And if you are at a place where you're saying, Jesus, this is what I need, I want to see you down here. And we're going to pray and have a little time of ministry, and then I believe there's some stuff happening after. So, all right. This is the story of the 10 rooms. Are you ready? Ready? Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. All right. It all starts with a man. Okay, he's a young man and he's loaded, rich, right? Everybody's like, I want to be that man. Okay, you are that man in the story, ready? You are loaded. You have a house with 10 rooms, okay? You built it from the ground up. And the young man builds it and he finally moves all of his stuff into it. And one day, as he's sitting down for dinner, he finally finished his house. He hears a knock on the door. Oh, I wonder who's that? He walks to the front door and he opens it up and it's Jesus. He says, Jesus, what are you doing here? And Jesus said, I thought I'd come over and say hi. He says, Jesus, please come on in, come on in. And they, he said, I'm just about to eat. How about you just come and eat with me? And he's Jesus is like, I love food. Let's sit down and, and let's eat. And so they sit down and they have a wonderful meal. They have a wonderful conversation. It's a beautiful time and it's getting late. And Jesus says, well, it's getting late and I, I, I better leave. And the man says, no, Jesus, don't leave. Stay with me. I have a room upstairs, a beautiful room, the best suite in the house. I want you to take it. And Jesus says, okay, very well. Jesus is a gentleman, all right? He'll never overstep. He always waits for you to make the decision, okay? So Jesus says, very well. That night, the man's getting in bed, and he's so excited Jesus is in his house, and he hears another knock on the door. Who's that? Man walks over to the front door and he opens up the door and it's Satan, the devil. And Satan walks into his house uninvited. And the, the man says, Satan, no, you need to leave. And Satan says, no. And he hits the man, begins to beat the man. And he starts to tempt him with desires for stealing, for lying. He begins to put pride inside of his heart. And the man wrestles with Satan all night long. Wrestles with him and wrestles with him, trying to push him out, but Satan can't leave. He's too tough. And finally, by the time morning comes, he gets Satan out the door and he shuts it. And he's sitting down, he's exhausted, he's sweating. And Jesus walks down the stairs. And he sees the man sitting there all sweating and tired and he looks at him and the man says, Jesus, where were you? I just fought with the devil all night long. Jesus looks at him and says, I know. And the man says, well, why didn't you help? And Jesus is looking at him and just says, I know. I only have one room of your house. And the man's like, oh, I get it. Jesus, okay. I'll give you all of upstairs, all five rooms, okay? You have the upstairs, I'll have the downstairs, we got a duplex, it's great, all right? This should be good, all right? They go to bed that night. Man's getting in bed, he's really tired, had a great day with Jesus, all right? Had a great time, great conversation, learned lots, going to bed, so exhausted, he hears another knock on the door. His heart sinks, who could it be? Scared, he's trembling. He walks to the door and he opens it up, and it's Satan. And Satan pushes the door open and comes on in. Satan begins to make the man sexually immoral. He rips his heart out in two in front of him, having him crave things that he should never have craved, making him think the things that he never was, confusing his identity. This man wrestles with him all night long. And finally, by the morning, with all of his strength in him, he pushes Satan out the door, and the door shuts. Jesus walks down the stairs, and the man is sobbing. 
And he looks up at Jesus and says, Jesus, where were you? And Jesus says, I only have five rooms of your house. And the man said, okay, okay, I get it. I'm smart. I understand what to do. Jesus, take all the nine rooms of the house. I need one room to stay in. One room. That'll do it. That night, he's had an awful day. Did things he wished he never would have done. Guilty. Here's a knock on the door. He pulls the sheets over his head, so scared. He walks to the door, barely even able to open it up, and the devil busts the door open. He makes the man hate himself, use drugs, destroy his body, mutilate himself. Wish he was never alive. The man tries to fight him, but he barely can, completely exhausted ready to die. And by the morning, the devil just walks out the door. He shuts it with all of his energy he has left, and he's laying there broken, bruised, bloody. And Jesus walks down the stairs and sees him laying there, says, let me help you. And he helps him up, and he sits there and bandages his wounds, and he takes care of him. And Jesus says, I have an idea. And the young man looks at Jesus and says, what? He says, how about you give me the keys to your house? And the man, broken and at his end, says, Jesus, they're yours. He puts them in his hand. That day, Jesus takes care of him all day long, helping him out. And that night, he's laying there in bed, and Jesus gave him a place to stay. As he's laying there in bed, he hears another knock on the door. He just begins to cry. He gets out of bed and he's walking to the door so slow. And before he gets to the door, he feels a tap on his shoulder. He turns around and it's Jesus. And Jesus says, son, step aside. This is not your house. It's mine. And he gets behind Jesus and follows him to the door. And Jesus walks to the front door and he doesn't creak it open a little. He flings it wide open. And Satan stands there and sees Jesus and the man behind Jesus and says, sorry, sir, I have the wrong house. We need Jesus in our life. Not 90% of our lives can be given to him. 50%, all of it. Like I said before, if we don't burn for Jesus, we're burning for something else. You can only have enough fire in your life for one thing, and that's him. And when it's hot, when it's fire, it's hot, all right? I want to tell you something. When you put your hand in fire, it hurts. It'll burn you. Have you ever put your hand in fire? It hurts. Candle trick? Got to do it quick. When you're on fire for Jesus, the devil can't touch you. Sin can't touch you. It has no more hold over you. But it only comes from giving Jesus everything. Everything. And maybe you're a Christian today who said, I've given it all. But something slipped back into my life. It shouldn't be there. God is so merciful and so loving. He's done it for me before. And I know he'll keep doing it for you. But he is welcoming you back into a place of saying, Jesus, I want to burn for you. Maybe we don't have the power that we wish we had when we started. Jesus wants to give you the fire, the power again. Maybe you've been running for 40 years. You're like, I've, I saved a long time ago. I may be just getting a little weary. I want more, Lord. And it's time. I want to go ahead today. If, you just, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus and need it again, just to come forward tonight or today. And we're just going to begin to pray. And I just want to pray. And honestly, if there's people in here who want to come up here and pray for you as well, I would just open this time just for a time of ministry. Let's just begin to, yeah, if that's you tonight or today, and you have anything in your life, you're saying, Jesus, I just want to get right with you. 
Lord, I need that power in my life. I've never had that power in my life. Then come forward. Where are you Maybe at? Maybe Satan surrender everything to you. Then ruining your life. But I've never seen Jesus good for. Just come forward. And right now, it's time to give Jesus everything. The altar's still open. I want, I want to extend this. I really do believe today will be a decision that can change your life, not just for the rest of your life on earth, but for eternity. There's no shame in it. No shame. I urge you, if you need this right now, not to wait. Don't wait. If you need your lamp lit again and you need oil, come. If you need forgiveness, if you need freedom, let's pray. Father, I thank you right now, God, for this body, for this church. God, we thank you for your blood, for the forgiveness, God, that you've offered us through Jesus. Lord, I ask you right now, God, that every person in here who needs freedom, who needs forgiveness, who even needs healing, God, right now would receive that in your name, Jesus. And we know by your word that it's true, that we can believe it and receive it, God. Lord, I thank you right now, God, for fire. We will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. God, pour out your fire. Consume us with you, God, that you would be our only desire. Jesus, let us live the most full life that we could ever live. A life for you, Jesus. And I want you just to put your hands in front of you just to receive. Jesus. Lord, we surrender everything to you. Come. We invite you, Jesus. Come. Holy Spirit, lead us. We give everything to you. Break the chains, Lord, right now. Give us a heart, God, that can finally love. Bring us back to our first love, God. And use us, God. Use us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Remember when I was 18 years old, too? I believe that. And I remember when I was four or five, right in that age group, maybe three even, I mean, really young, I received the Lord as my Savior. I mean, I prayed with my mother. And when I was in college, though, I was confronted with this thing of what you were just sharing. Because Jesus, well, he had one room for sure. I'm not sure which all rooms he had in my life, but there were a lot of rooms he didn't. Like the who, who I'm going to marry room he didn't have. And uh, if I would be a pastor room, he didn't have. And if I would go to Africa to be a missionary room, he didn't have. And 
I could list a whole bunch of rooms. And it was hard for me, Devin. I thought I knew better than God how those rooms should be arranged. And I was fighting with it for that whole, well, most of the first semester. And I honestly can't remember exactly what month it was or whatever. I don't remember the day. Like you do. But uh, there came a point, there was a weekend where my roommate, Phil Manning, had gone home for the weekend and I was there by myself. And a lot of kids were, a lot of the students were gone over the weekend, but I was there in Colin Brander Hall in Orange City, Iowa, Northwestern College. And I was actually literally tossing and turning on my bed over this. I mean, I, because I knew, I knew it was a big decision and I was just struggling. And I don't think everybody has this bad of a struggle or hard of a struggle like I did, but but I did. That's just mine. Maybe some of you have worse. Maybe it's harder for you to totally give your life over to God. I'm talking about all the rooms. That's what you're talking about, right? Not not ninety percent of them, but a hundred percent. I was tossing, I still can see, I was in the lower bunk, we were bunk beds. It was against the east wall of the room. The window, you know, my head was here, the window was back here. And, God, can I do this, can I do this, can I do this? And finally, just something released in me, the Holy Spirit was working. I'm sure people were praying for me. And we're praying for you, for all of us, you know, and we're praying for you. The camera, <laughs> the people behind the camera. <clears throat> that you would come to that place because, well, the, probably the best decision was when I was three or four, you know, in my heart to give to Jesus, but then, wow. Best decision of my life all those years ago, 50 some odd years ago. Never better decision. Never, ever better decision. He knew who my wife should be. <laughs> it was the next year he brought her from a college 12 miles away, transferred over to college I was at, but that's a whole another big story. We won't go into all that, but, and everything else. So we encourage you that those last rooms, maybe it's most of the rooms in your life, but some, it might be one more, one more room, one more room that's waiting. And I just so agree with Devin on this. And we just pray for that, Lord. We pray that you would help each one of those that may be struggling with this right now, just like I did. It was For me, it was a struggle. It was flesh against the spirit, I'm sure. Carnal mind against the spiritual mind. But Lord, we thank you. You are greater. You are the victor. And we thank you that you bring the victory. The Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's when the rooms come into order. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Devin. Thank you. Josh, who have you come up and close our service? Do you have a mic? You yeah, got to make. Okay.
Hallelujah. Thank you, brothers. I think it's uh, in the staying in the spirit of, I suppose, rooms, Devin. I jumped in the scripture and actually was thinking about this earlier, but you know, even this morning it popped up. I don't know if you use the My Version app, you know, but did you see the, the verse for today? It kind of goes right with this. It's Matthew 6, verse 19. It's yet another room. It's yet another room. Jesus is talking to the crowd. He goes, So do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermins destroy and where thieves break and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is the dark is that darkness? No one can serve two masters or a couple rooms, right? Several rooms. Um, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. But goes on and talks about worry, goes on and talks about other things within that chapter. Every one of them compartmentalized space in our heart that does not belong to Jesus. And I thought that very fitting for today. Thank you for sharing, Devin. And that does go um, along with this morning's offering as well. You know, we're not necessarily saying that we have to give it up right now and say that, you know, this is what we're giving it, putting this all away right now and giving it all to you guys right now. But what it is, it's, it's an investment. Right? When we give with a joyful heart, when we give with what we have, and we turn it all over, amazing things can happen. Blessings occur. Your life is different. More importantly, in the grand scheme of everything, you're set aside. You are viewed by others going, okay, what's different about this person? And how can I be like that? How can I have that joy? How can I have that fulfillment? It's exactly what you said. Turning your heart to him, giving it all over. And I hate to say it. I'll be the first one to say it, actually. I have a hard time with that. There seems to be multiple rooms, 30, 40, 50 rooms, not just 10. And every day, easily accessible and easier to access. And so just ask yourselves today, just like Devin is asking you, God is asking us to evaluate all those rooms and all those spaces. So let's pray for this morning. Let's pray for the offering. And we'll jump into a couple announcements and we'll let you go. Father God, thank you so much for this morning's message. Uh, I know speaking for myself, it is convicting to me. It reveals to me all the areas in my life that I don't give to you. And more importantly, the idea that the house isn't completely yours and it should be, Father. I don't need to be building other houses. I don't need to be building other rooms just to accommodate the things that I want. I need to turn over my house to you, Father. We pray that we all do that. And that we use what we have, whether it's our money, the offering, whether it be the gifts that we have, we have, use it all for you, Father, and not for selfish gain. We want to be different. We want to be a witness to others. We thank you for this amazing service this morning, the message, the worship. What a wonderful day to be a believer. What a wonderful day to be loved on by you. In your amazing name, amen. So like I said, just a couple of announcements this morning that I wanted to get to you. The first one that I have, um, if you've seen your announcements, is that the TCC elders are submitting Andrew Erholtz to become a TCC elder. And Gilles, Mom, you're going to have to help me, Gilles. I get it wrong every time. Bo, is that how you say it? Perfect. Thank you, sir. All right. And Peter Coffin to become elders in training on some Sunday, July 23rd. Input concerning them or suggestions for other nominations can be given to Pastor Steve, Gus Shogren, or Dean Patro. Um, elders in training are to be mentored and trained by the current governing elders. They will be re there will be a reevaluation after six or 12 months. If there is a piece about it from current elders, the trainees and the, uh, their spouses after 12 months 
they will be instilled as governing elders. What an exciting process. And thank you for outlining that, by the way. It's very, very helpful to know that information. Other announcements? I'm going to jump in real quickly. I can get in here. Yeah, don't forget all about all the Wednesday activities that we have. We still have them going on in the summertime. Uh, they might be spotty here and there, but don't forget about them. We have Mondays also. We have Women's Bible Study at 6.30. Again, on Wednesdays, Touchpoint with Pastor Steve. They're on part five of God's wisdom for today. Uh, Amplify, like I said. Let's see if there's anything else. Oh, yep, don't forget the Love Cradle International. Um, it's a, putting on a silent auction and dessert um, evening taste of Ukraine to support the Ukrainian refugee program. That's on July 1st, 2023. Contact Irina Yagelnicki um, at the number that is in the announcements if you want to check it out. Otherwise, talk to me. I can give you the telephone number there. That's all the announcements I have for now. But Lucas, are you ready to run the video for camp by any chance? Perfect. Let's do that. We'll end on that. And after the video, have a fantastic day. Thank you all. Oh, there's a meal today. There's a meal today. So don't forget about that either. Donna Maria. Donna Maria. Who, who did it? Donna? Donna Maria. Donna and Maria. We got you.